separated by almost 8,000 miles and certainly by 0.8 of a generation. It is time once again for No Agenda, coming to you from the Curry Manor in Guilford in the United Kingdom, where we've had a blustery summer's day. I'm Adam Curry. And I'm John C. Dvorak here in Northern California, where we've had an outbreak of hornets. <laughs> Not quite a meteorological uh, occurrence there. You never know. Hmm. You have got a hive nearby? Is that it? Or is it just a, a hornet plague? As soon as the show's over, I got to take care of it. Mm. Uh, beehives and hornet hives are nasty things, my friend. Yeah, well, it's not a. These are uh, mostly wasps that are not big hivers, yeah. I hope. <laughs> okay. So, you, how was your 4th of July? You just got, uh, got in, and uh, I, I hope people remember that uh, you said that we would be doing the show on Sundays for a couple of weeks, so. Right. I just got it. Yeah, I was up in uh, Port Angeles, Washington, where we uh, got to witness uh, people going completely crazy because the fireworks are legal. And uh, and there's something weirdly ironic about the fact that and it's it was very it's just like everybody's blowing stuff up. But it was what's weirdly ironic is that the fireworks up there are, are tend to be sold by Indians American Indians, Native Americans, uh, and they're Chinese in origin, the, the fireworks. And they're celebrating the American Fourth of July. As said. <laughs> There's something very twisted in that, isn't there? Not, yeah, sick. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't personally understand the the need to be i mean there's some guys I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of blinded kids i mean i've never seen anything like it, it was it's the most i've seen in a, a while i mean last year the years that passed before all the the um the chinese started inundating us with all these boxes full of fireworks and by the way on the way in i took some uh I, maybe i'll post this video Showing going past a couple, of, I didn't take a picture of the big one. There's these huge amount of stands, these fireworks stands, huge. They have them in other parts of the country, but these are really massive. And they and people are buying. You buy these boxes. It's like a huge kit, like a package like a, with all kinds of uh, with a mixture a, of stuff. It's a wine crate <laughs> filled with uh, a bunch of things. A fun, an ammo are, footlocker. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And then they'll have all these little rockets and these uh, shells and all these things. Because we're talking about fireworks that go up in the air and look like a... There was a, one guy um, down the street from us who had a better fireworks display in his backyard in the air. Big boomers that went way up uh, than the Berkeley uh, Marina does every year. Which, of course, is no reference to me. Uh, all I know is uh, Fourth of July in New York City. Well, they, they, it's hard to top that, but uh, and actually Detroit and some other towns have got these spectacular displays. But it's amazing how what some guy can do in his backyard nowadays. I've never been into that. Uh, fireworks have never really interested me. I think I was into it when I was in the third or fourth grade. Oh yeah, well, you know, lighting off some firecrackers, sure, but not really big like that. Not into. And it's the same with the New Year's Eve in um, in the Netherlands. Oh man, people start buying stuff uh, weeks ahead of time, and you know they have all these laws that you have to order stuff. Uh, you can order it, but you can't actually pick it up until uh, uh, the thirty first of December. And people go crazy, and it seems the same thing every year. It seems like there's more and more fireworks, but not sold by uh, American Indians and uh, manufactured in China. I'm sure it's all manufactured in China. Yeah, I think so. Whatever the case, it was uh, quite amusing. Hey, Ron, uh, when John, when's your book coming out? Your um, recessions book? Any minute? Seriously? Yeah, I, oh. got to, I just have to sit down it for about three days to fit, finish it. <laughs> so you had the deal and everything. So the, I mean, literally, the publisher is just waiting for no, you. No, to... I'm publishing myself until I for for starters, and then I'm going to package uh, it and give it to a publisher after that. Well, I think the timing is right, man. I think the timing is so right. I feel like we've turned some kind of final corner or something. It feels like no, it's, it's starting to, something's have starting to happen. We're going to have a boom. It's going to be a boom right after the election. Huge. A boom, really? Oh yeah, big time. I mean, if this theory is correct. I mean, it could be, you know, it's not, it's not my, this isn't a thing I've developed from empirical data. I mean, I'm not, I mean, it doesn't look right to me either, but the <laughs> fact is it should, there has to be a nice boom and there probably will be whoever gets elected president, typically in an election cycle, the, it takes all the uncertainty out. Everyone plans for the, you know, the guy being in office. And so they all relax and they all buy back into the market and the thing takes off like a rocket. 
Except this, maybe there's a, a set of conditions that are a little bit different this time around. The conditions are always well. Actually, the set of conditions is always different, which makes it kind of amusing. But if it's a cycle, which is what I'm arguing here, it yeah, doesn't make any difference. What is what it, the hundred, hundred, eighty year cycle? Is that what you're saying? Eighty or 100? There's a hundred? There's a forty and an eighty. Uh huh. Which is the same, you know, basically the same cycle if you think about it. Well, I, th- I also think there's a there's a no agenda cycle. Every week when we do the show, oil seems to be up about two dollars. Yeah, so what's it at now? What's it as you? It uh, uh, well, they actually they tra- I think do they trade over the weekend? They mind. Let me see. I don't know. It's corrupt. Who cares? Um, it, it it reached one hundred and forty six fifty during the week at one point for the uh, for the August futures. Oh, it's down. It's one hundred and forty four fourteen. But that's uh, that's since Friday. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the where it's going where they're going to where it's going to turn. I think it's going to keep going up until after the holidays, and then it's going to f- collapse. Because mm. I, I think the the the, uh, the demand is going to pull back so far that they're going to actually have to start. You know, uh, they're going to the stuff's going to start showing up where you're going to have more oil than you know what to do with. Where, where's the where's know. the demand pulling back? Where do you see that happening? I, well, I mean, I'll, I could tell you right now, going to San Francisco every couple of days, it's like there's, it's like a breeze. I can see the demand right out by looking out the window. <laughs> right, but but that's uh, okay. That's not it's Chinese like, demand. Know, it's, obviously, it's just an example. Yeah. I mean, all I know is that when things are booming, you usually have. I mean, you can tell by the, how many people are out on the road and how many people are just wasting their time. Um, I don't know. I just don't. I think the demand is going to fall. I mean, it's already statistically fallen off a few percentage points, but it, it'll really drop off after the holidays, I think. But unless, uh, unless we invade Iran. Yeah, I know. I got some guy out there who who's talked me into a hundred dollar bet. I don't think we're going to invade Iran. Um. Okay. Well, I mean, the, right. Wait, what's the what's the chit chat over there in Great Britain? Is everyone scared to death that we're going to invade Iran? Well, what's happening right now is everyone's scared to death that they won't be able to buy food tomorrow. That, that's what's happening over here in Europe. Um, central bank just raised uh, interest rates uh, by twenty five percent, twenty five percent by uh, a twenty uh, a quarter of a percent. So it's four twenty five. Um, in most countries in Europe, the value-added tax uh, either uh, has now gone up or is announced to, to go up by one percent in uh, uh, either either in the next coming months or by January. That's a big 1st. jump. One whole percent for value-added tax. That means everything you buy is going to cost you a percent point more. Yep. 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 Hmm. Uh, of course, you know there's uh, there's just it seems to be more and more uh, carbon taxes every day. Um. So yeah. So uh, you know, it, uh, the the house houses uh, house prices have fallen and are expected to fall considerably more. Um, there's a fifty well, yeah fifty percent less activity in the actual market, less houses sold, or like forty two percent or something, something around the fifty percent mark. Um. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's pretty messed up, and the consensus or the consensus, I guess, the reporting is. That um, that Israel might start some trouble, and then the U.S. would have to come to its aid, and then that would warrant some form of aggression against Iran, and uh, and and of course, the, you know, the 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 theory is that all this has to happen because of the uh, uh, Iran's promise to flood cheap oil into the markets based on the euro. Now, say that. Give me this again in in, some, in detail. Iran says what? Oh, in, I guess in December of 2007, um, I'd have to look it up who said it, but let's just, Iran, quote, Iran said they plan to flood the world markets with cheap oil based on the euro. And, they, and remember that whole trading uh, uh, oil bourse that they that they opened up and the, the rumor about the undersea cables being cut to the Isle of Kish? Right. Uh, well, it, you know, so it actually opened up in February and, you know, that... Uh, th- that uh, rumor of uh, Iran flooding the world market with cheap oil based on you know, trading in euros uh, is pretty persistent. Well, you know, we were talking about this from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah. So we nailed it. Well, <laughs> yeah. How how cool are we that we got it right? We're going to war. Yeah. We're not going to war. I don't think. I just can't see it. 
The, I see uh, the same, John. I see, I see exactly the same thing. I see, you know, well, they've got, uh, you know, they've got um, some kind of nuclear program, even though. Yeah, didn't the the inspectors say you know that Iran has stopped since two thousand three? Oh, dude, did I send you that article about the um, uh, was it the four hundred million dollars that Bush got from Congress? I I, I, I know I sent you the link. Well, tell me about it. Oh, it, from the New Yorker magazine. You haven't read this? No. Oh shit! Uh, hold on a second. Well, just tell me. Give me a briefing. You can summarize. Okay. So the deal is uh, Bush went to uh, Congress under um, asking for special funding. And because of the type of request it was, um, which was for a special covert military action, which included, and that's the quote I was looking for, uh, use of deadly force. Um, they didn't have to actually put it to a vote or put it up for debate in Congress. They only had to go to the so-called Gang of Eight, which is like Pelosi and you know whoever else. Um, and they, uh, they basically approved the $400 million, uh, to be used for covert operations in Iran with use of deadly force. All right. <laughs> I, I would say that, that's, that means something, doesn't it? <coughs> Sounds like a boondoggle. What it means is some contractors are going to get a bunch of money. Blackwater's running it. They need a right. new gig. I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, but if it's meant specifically for Iran, doesn't that kind of say something? And it, it... yeah, it said doesn't sound good. No, this hundred dollar bet here. I'm not <laughs> looking forward to. No, it doesn't sound very good, does it? I sent you the link to it. You should really read that. It, it, it's a I good article. I will go back and read it, and we can discuss later. Yeah. Ah, it's too bad. I sent you that as a no agenda agenda item. Actually, maybe I did look at it and I forgot. Maybe I, I, I know what it was. I put it on the. I, you just one of those things. Oh yeah, I, I got to read this, and then of course I forgot yeah. all about it. All right. Unlike all the stuff you send me, which I diligently read immediately, should I in case encounter a test? Um. Yeah, sure you do. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm coming back from Seattle. By the way, don't eat breakfast at Anthony's <laughs> at the SeaTac Airport. Oh. Ugh. Horrible. Okay. Anyway, um, I coming back from Seattle, and uh, and they have they're putting these these trains. Uh, they're going to run a train from downtown Seattle to uh, the airport. These are like you know, it looks like a subway train. Like a, so I'm, like a there's bark. actually in the front page of the of the newspaper they had a picture of this too. But I saw one of them, one of these trains. It's a blue and white long, cool, kind of cool looking train. Not really that cool, but it's got. It already looks like a. It looks like a 1970s uh, Manhattan subway train that's been with, hit with graffiti by taggers. Yeah. I mean, huge burner on the side of the thing. The paint job is completely ruined. And I mean, it's like, what kind of, don't they have any, I thought there's like supposed to be all the security, extra security out there. <laughs> there's no security at all. No. So I'm coming into the airport and I go to the uh, TSA and they got this, you know, and they have this thing now uh, called, you know, expert traveler. Ooh, is that like the clear program? You know, it's part of it, but it's not the clear program. The way, what it's turned out to be, it appears is that this is my guess, by the way, I don't know, but I, this thing cropped up about two months ago. The first time I saw one was in Oakland. There's this huge long line, and then I saw this little thing that says, Expert Traveler, enter here. And it's got a little sign. It's at 10. All of the airports have the exact same sign, so I guess they printed a bunch of them up. It says, For those familiar with TSA procedures and, you know, experienced travelers. So you go <laughs> there's like nobody in this line. Really? Yeah, a couple of people followed me, but you know, I went. It was just like a straight up, straight up. But then I went back to the Oakland Airport again, and they had the clear people. They're handing out brochures to people going through the expert traveler line. Ah. Now it's either now what I'm thinking is the following: it's a, it's a you know, sales pitch. It's a little taste of the good stuff of the high life, baby. I think what it is. I think it's a combination of things. I think there's a. Um, I think there's, I, yeah, I think that's one possibility. It's a marketing trick that somehow the TSA is bought into. Uh, or they just can't get enough people to rationalize it. They, you know, enough people are signing up for the clear program because the only people I know that use it are basically people flying in and out of New York all the time. And uh, they either can't get enough people to sign up for the clear program to, to justify having this extra line, taking up the space and all the rest of it, that they have to have a kind of a combination thing. So, um, I don't know, because not, I come hey, into Seattle. And listen, they listen, listen, listen. The Black Diamond self-select lanes. Is it, Could that be what you're talking about? Uh, 
Here. Well, that's not what it's called here. Okay, TSA is listening to passenger feedback to improve the checkpoint experience. That is why TSA launched the Black Diamond Self-Select Program. Uh, since then, uh, since this uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, the program has rapidly expanded to 21 airports. The goal of self-select is to enable expert travelers who know TSA procedures, uh, who know TSA procedures well, to go through checkpoints quickly and efficiently, efficiently, while giving families and others with special needs more time and assistance. There you go. It's a, uh, it's the Black Diamond expert, and then we have the casual lane, and then we'll have the family and special needs lane. Oh, this is a whole new program they're working on, John. Yeah. Well, that's the Black Diamond expert I've been using. And I would take my family into that, too. But, uh, <laughs> Excuse me, sir. The uh, Black Diamond is not for families. That's uh, you need the other line. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, so I get in the Black Diamond lane and I'm, flo- you know, it's pretty quick to get get out. And um, I. Uh, but I get to the, the part where the guys are checking your ID and now they've gone through some new. uh Here's a map of the Black Diamond for people out there. It looks like uh, San Francisco, Oakland, uh, Los Angeles, San Diego, Portland, Seattle for the West Coast folks. Looks like maybe Spokane and then Boise, Idaho, Utah, and then Chicago, New York. Anyway, um, so they got this new the process. The guys are so slow. <laughs> I mean, you know, normally they, you know, especially in most places, they look at your thing. You know, as long as your license matches your uh Ticket, yeah, and you don't look like an card. idiot. Yeah, you know, they just yeah. let you. But this, now these guys, all of them on, at Seattle, are doing the following. First, they take your driver's license <coughs> or passport, and then they they take like a like a one of those things you look at diamonds with. Uh, what a are loop? they called? A, a loop. A loop. <laughs> <laughs> they go right up against the thing, and they look at it, and then they splash a... <laughs> Do they have a loop with a little chain around their neck, so if they can just drop it off like a diamond chain? No, but they should. Good mm-hmm. suggestion. You should mention that to them <laughs> next time we go through one of these lines. And then they have this little blue light, and they hold it up against... They, like the driver's license, they hold up against it. They're looking for something that's on the license, I guess. Yeah. So they said, then, you know, that, that's not bad enough. Then, they, you know, they then they hold the license. This, this one... I think both people were doing this. The guy holds the license up in the air <laughs> and puts the picture of... And holds it at such a distance that the picture of your head... And your head, which because you're standing there, he and he looks at it. I guess maybe he goes cross-eyed to see if he can match the face. Oh, he's always holding it up next to your next to your head. Yeah, basically <laughs> in in fr- in free air. Of course, you know, like up in the air, kind of, and, and he's looking at your head and, and moving uh, the thing to a distance. So your head and the picture is the same size to you know yeah, relatively. Right. <laughs> and he's like, does he, does he take his fingers and try to squeeze your head between it from a distance? <laughs> <laughs> I have you now. I'm crushing you, you stupid expert traveler. So I mean, this like took five minutes. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, what's the point? You can't look at the license and look at somebody and see if it's the same person. You have to hold you. You and the way they were doing it, I have to assume some bureaucrat, you know, came up with this idea because somebody in Pittsburgh or wherever got through with a different license in their name or something, and yeah. they let them pass. Yeah. So they want to make sure it is the same person. So they're not going through this process, which is a time killer. I thought it was ludicrous. Then of course they, you know, I had to open one of my bags up because I was bringing back a bunch of. Uh, so d- here you go from the TSA website. Did you know the average traveler takes up four feet of space at the checkpoint, taking roughly thirty-two seconds to divest their belongings and forty-two seconds to compose at the end of the checkpoint? These numbers may seem insignificant for one traveler, but when you consider that about two million passengers go through checkpoints every day, it adds up. Please. Please do not try to put shoes or boots with zippers or laces on right when you take them out of the bins. Move to the side to let other passengers take their items and go. There's no side to move not, to. And of course there's not any side to move to. You either move forward or backwards. You don't move to the side. <sighs> Unbelievable. You know, meanwhile, all the stuff's in the bins, so you got and you can't carry all that stuff. You have to put it back where it belongs in the in the bags, so you can't, you know, just move to the side. And uh, you know, I don't know. It's a poor. It's a system's bad. And then once in a while, you run into whether there's no bin. You know, the guys don't keep the bins, you know, refreshed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one guy you're waiting for, like, yo, dude, could you pick up some bins and bring them over here? Like, we got no bins. Yeah. <laughs> so tonight on the BBC, and I will tape this for you, 
had, I, I bought a system specifically to be able to tape stuff for you. You um, mean burn to DVDs? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, record it and then burn it to DVD. Hold on, where is right. it? Uh, it's at uh, 9 o'clock. Hold on. The Conspiracy Files. Here you go. An investigation into the final mystery of 9-11. Uh, oh, blah, cool. Yeah, well, but blah, 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 blah. Nearly seven years uh, on, the eagerly awaited final official report on the World Trade Center will be published in July. Official invest. This is about uh, building number seven. Official investigators are expected to conclude that fire caused the collapse of this third tower at the World Trade Center, but that would make this the first and only skyscraper in the world to collapse solely due to fire. Blah blah blah. Uh, here it is. Uh, oh, they, oh, they don't. They have a different description on the BBC website than I read in the newspaper. Here, the Conspiracy Files explores the many unanswered questions in an attempt to find out what happened and why some people think there was a sinister plot to destroy the building. What it said in the newspaper, actually, um, a little blurb about this was, um, it, you know, it'll uh, it takes to task all of those crazy conspiracy theories and shows how they're ridiculous and completely unfounded. So this is kind of interesting because a here finally, you know, here's um, someone countering. Um, well, coming from the BBC is what really makes it interesting. But of course, the BBC has never aired any type of documentary about, you know, the conspiracies and the theories, only this uh, debunking uh, show. So it should be kind of cool. Yeah, no, it sounds like a winner. Yeah, I'll probably get the, uh, it'd be a race between the, you getting me the disc or it showing up on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably before I even get up in the morning, it'll be on YouTube. You're so right. So we have a bunch of weird posts on the blog that I, a couple of them should, we should discuss. Okay. Um, by the way, there's some guy, and this, I was, I was thinking we we're going to discuss this anyway. I see that, uh, Ed Campbell already, yeah, he did post it, which is this oh, guy, wait, you know, wait, launched I'm himself sorry. from can Oregon I, in a, can I just say one thing before we start, John? Because I, yeah. I said something last week that I regret saying. And, uh, and so one of your uh, people actually emailed me about it. Now, I, at one point I said, we were, we were having discussion about, um, uh, posting on the blog, and I said, "Well, you know, you've got a whole army of bootlicking lackeys who uh, who post for you." Uh, I did get some email about that, and uh, I've apolog- I don't know how many of them you have of these um, associates, uh, <laughs> but I do apologize to all of them. That was misdirected anger in the heat of a moment. Uh, I was just pissed off at John. No offense intended. <clears throat> what were you pissed off at me? I I don't know. You were oh, it's because of the you were full of hot air. Yeah, you were full of shit. That. Yeah. Okay, it, here we go. Okay, let's go. That's fine. I'm sure they all. Nobody listens to this show that does the blog. I can assure you. Uh, okay. Except for except for Bubba. Mm. Bubba didn't complain, dude. No, he doesn't complain. He's not a complainer. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I shouldn't say anything to be honest about yeah, just, it. Let's just move on. <laughs> let's not Lawn talk chair about balloonist land safely in Idaho. Uh, did you hear about this? Yeah, I, I did hear about this. I, I heard something. I think um, on the uh, on the BBC this morning. Uh, so this is one of these guys who loaded up his lawn chair with balloons and flew away. Two hundred fifty. I think. I said, let me see if I got the distance. Like Two hundred fifty miles or something. Oh, uh, cool. <clears throat> From uh, Oregon to Idaho over the hills <laughs> and the mountains. And is it, and if you see the picture. I mean, it's a bunch of Send me the link. balloons, big balloons, you know, filled with helium, and he's hanging there on a lawn chair. Yeah, send me the link and, through Skype. I want to see it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the last time a guy did that, um, he got taken. Well, he didn't get taken down, but they forced him to to land because he actually flew up, and there was a seven forty seven that saw him. That's <laughs> that's how high he was. <laughs> well, I don't think this guy got that high. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there you go. But it's what's weird about it. And so he he controlled his altitude. He obviously had to be an expert balloonist. Oh yeah, he had to shoot the balloons right with a BB gun. Yeah, he had a BB gun, yeah. and he would like shoot a balloon to get this, you know, go down a little bit. It's too That's funny. Cool. Yeah, the, as, uh, some other guy did the exact same thing. This guy, he, it looked like his setup was pretty sophisticated, actually. Yeah, it looks yeah. It's a little lopsided on one side, but he's got like the big bunch at the bottom, and he's got like a, a kind of a table top of at the top. What, what, he was, he really in a, was he really in a lawn chair? Well, I can't tell. I, I don't know. That's what everyone says. Oh, there you go. Look, if you if you click through the link, you get a couple pictures. Oh, I mean, that's like a super duper. It is a lawn chair, but it's on a on a whole rig. 
It looks yeah, like he's well, got all kinds of stuff. I assume he's just not, you know, <laughs> dangling from a lawn chair. <laughs> I think the other guy actually hooked up a lawn chair. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, yeah, it's a pretty... Uh, yeah, uh, dis- power, power to dis- the pioneers of flight, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Those are big balloons. That must have taken a few tanks. That's so cool. And here's the other one that you would should be interested in, which is the post right underneath the one there, uh, if you uh, actually hit the blog. Uh, high in tofu vegetarian diet causes dementia. <laughs> of course, and the, our, our humorist, uh, Steve Newland, who did the post, says, or is it the other way around, which is, if you think about it, <laughs> you have to be demented to have a high vegetarian high tofu diet. But uh, this is, we've been talking about this uh my son had done some research on this some time ago because he turned up some weird data that says that tofu, or actually soy, yeah, shrinks, shrinks brain. your brain. Yeah. And then those, the, most of those posts that have anything to do with that, you'll find a couple of things. They're all missing. They're all gone. They've all been taken down. Oh, really? Hmm. And you also find that when you run into nutritionists or people who make public pronouncements about soy or anything bad about it, uh, they... They get hounded by the uh, Soybean Institute or whoever they are. They have a public relations company that that's very uh, aggressive. And if you want to do some research on soybean out there, anyone wants to do this, you'll find the following interesting kind of a, a coincidence. If you do a, go to all these different sites to talk about soybeans and how you know they're, somebody might question whether the, the holes soy culture is good for you you'll find like a question and answer thing that says well you know here's the thing here's the myths about soy you know it's bad for you or whatever and you'll find that you'll find that in every one of these sites everything is curiously worded exactly the same mm. uh, indication of course of uh, tampering by public relations firms and in fact, it becomes really obvious after a while. If you start trying to find bad stuff out about soy through Google searches, you'll find the same litany of information that is worded almost identically, and it's all over the place. So they've really they've done a good job of saturating the media with uh, their pitch, which of course is to sell more soybeans uh, because that's what they do. I mean, in the United States, we're a big soybean country now, and the Canadians do the same thing with canola oil, which is uh, rapeseed oil. Um, people, I always like to still question, I always, 90% of the people out there, you can say to them, you know, so what's a canola? You know, what is a canola, right, right. You know, a canola <laughs> oil? What, what's, what's a canola just, plant? Yeah, it's just the name, right? Just a brand name, canola. Yeah, it's a Canadian uh, oil with low acidity, is what it means. Right. Canola. So I wonder, what does the uh, Codex Alimentarius say about soy? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. You're really on to that. That's what we're supposed to talk about this week. We were going to talk. I didn't really prepare anything about it. Did you Did you look at anything about the Codex Alimentarius? No, I, as you mentioned, I just remember it now. Well, so <clears throat> what I know about it is that um, it, it, the Codex Alimentarius stands for Code... Uh, was it uh, food code or the food law? I think is what it is. And um, it was started by the World Trade Organization. And um, so the theory goes, of course, is that it you know it, um, this is really an evil plot by the pharmaceuticals to control what we eat. Um, and the first um, noticeable effects of it not only uh, being quote harmonized as it is being in Europe, but uh, uh, I think being brought into law in the U.S. in a year or two um, is the... Uh, are you sending me something here? Yeah, something else. Okay. Go ahead. Um, uh, is that your your uh, food supplements and, you know, um, what do you, organic, uh, yeah, organic supplements, that those will be outlawed, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where it starts. I like it. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Well, <laughs> it's just out, these guys are pests. Let's <laughs> outlaw this. It's like they try to do with raw milk. Well, I, I think it's actually happening. Um, and in fact, the Codex is law. How do the French put up with this? How do the French tolerate this? The French are like they do their own thing. They can't be putting up with this much longer. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. If France is one of the countries that has already implemented it. I know that um, Britain has. Uh, they already started to ban some uh, some foods, some supplements. I think some, uh, and it's, and, and and what they're saying is not necessarily about uh, the supplements themselves, but how much. And you know, so what, what the governments are saying, uh, based on the um, 
the jurisprudence, if you will, of something set up by a trade organization, not the health organization, but the World Trade Organization, um, is that, you know, there's only X amount of, say, vitamin C that you're allowed to have, and you it should be illegal for you to have any more than that. That's kind of what it boils down to. Yeah, nanny state. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the New World Order. You know, and, and I so, guess they'd have to throw Linus Pauling in jail. Who's that? Linus Pauling is the guy who made the connection between vitamin C and not ever getting sick or whatever. He's the guy, you know, one of the, the won two Nobel prizes. You know, the famous guy died a few years back, but he's the uh, was the vitamin C nut, hmm. and you know, great one of the great figures in science. And now he'd be in jail based on this kind of thing. Well, when you put he's all these th- when you put all these things together, and then you know what what you. We're talking about just just last week. Of course, we we both got a whole bunch of email about Monsanto and how you know you said, oh, you watch uh, people are going to get sued over seeds falling into their um, uh, in, in, onto their land. And I mean, this shit is it's actually happening. I mean, they've they've even patented pigs, John. They have <laughs> trade. They've patented pigs. So, yeah, <laughs> this is crazy. The joke of it is, it's probably a pig I wouldn't want to eat. <laughs> no, but still, you know. It's not. I mean, that's what I mean. It's like we're turning some kind of corner, man. There's a lot. All of the stuff is now starting to happen. All of a sudden, Soylent Green. What's so, that? A movie that everyone should revisit. By the way, if you haven't seen it, Soylent Green. Soylent Green. You've never Soylent seen it. Soylent Green. No, I'm sorry. Oh, S O Y, as in soybean. Yeah. L E N T. Soylent Green. Yeah, I got it. Science fiction movie. One of the great. Great, great cult films ever. If you watch it, you'll go, oh, what a great movie. Well, certainly it's uh, available somewhere on some illegal site. Yeah, so that, maybe. Well, I'm sure it is. But and, you know, you Of course, Viac- Viacom will have this information within seconds. But yeah, I'm surprised you haven't seen Soylent Green. It's like uh-huh. it's it's a seminal. You have to. Everyone has to have seen this movie. It's one of the most important movies to watch in terms of this type of a dystopia, dystopia of view of the of the future. Very entertaining. Very. It's a funny movie. Okay. So uh, anyway, so I sent you this link. Schoolboys. This isn't from the Telegraph. C O U dot U K. Famous newspaper. Uh, schoolboys disciplined for refusing to pray to Allah. Hmm. Two schoolboys were allegedly disciplined after refusing to kneel down and pray to Allah during a religious education lesson. Yeah, where? In Britain? Well, let's see. Spokesman yeah, for the Ch- Ch- Cheshire, Cheshire County, County Council. Council. Must be Britain. Yeah. So, I don't understand. Was this uh, in a Muslim school? No, it was a regular public school there in England, your your, your country. <laughs> My adopted homeland. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's kind of weird. I think it's totally weird. And they're making a big deal. I mean, of course, the kids, you know, what am I, you know, I don't know that they make you do genuflect and do the sign of the cross, you know, like a Catholic does or make you, you know, take peyote uh, because of, you know, of some Indian, you know, Native American religion. Uh, so why are they making them, these kids bow to, you know, face the East and prayer to pray to Allah? This crazy. What's wrong with that country? I don't know. But, but look at this picture. and Tell me what's wrong with that picture. So there's a picture here of uh <clears throat> looks like uh maybe 10 uh schoolboys and uh they're all praying uh presumably towards the east and then there's a little girl who's kind of standing up in the middle and then the background there's a looks like a a video camera on a tripod What's, the, yeah, what's this so picture weird. about, man? What, what is that no telling idea. me? I don't know. You have to get a hold of Heathcliff O'Malley, who apparently <laughs> took the picture. Do, do they still name kids Heathcliff in England? <laughs> Marmaduke. <laughs> yeah, uh, they sure do. Uh, some kid over came over here the other day, one of Christina's friends. says, hi, my name is Blue. <laughs> I said, what? yeah, is your nickname? No, that's my name, Blue. His name was what? Blue. Blue? Blue, <laughs> yeah. Just blue, like B L U E, yeah, or B L E W. No, B L U E, blue. Hmm. Yeah, my name is Blue, and it says my my brother's name is Art for Art Garfunkel, and my other brother's name was uh, Herbie for Herbie Hancock. <laughs> so, what was the blue for? Uh, nice color, sky. 
Hippies. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. All right. So what else we got here? Um, oh, the Guardian had a big scoop. Guardian newspaper over here. Um, they got a hold of a secret report. I, I, I'm always pretty wary when I read uh, they got a hold of some secret report from um, the World Bank. And their food uh, economist has, uh, and this will be, I, I presume this will be pretty big news uh, in the papers on Monday. Uh, their food economist has come out and said, uh, well, you know what? Uh, the incredible rise in prices of food, 70% of that is caused by biofuels. Oh, yeah, that's what we've been suspecting. But 70%, come on. Well, it doesn't take much. I guess the food thing is like, you know, kind of a, uh, it's not a, uh, it's it's not, because food, you know, you can't keep it forever. You, I mean, it's, you know, it's a, a perishable. Well, here, here, here's, here's the you way. You can only make so much, and you got a population increase. It doesn't take much to imbalance the system yeah, completely. Yeah, what, what, what I've been seeing, well, first of all, the, all of the trade, the, the whole trade system, I guess, is pretty fucked up about, you know, who who's, who can export to where and who can import from where. I mean, that's that, that, that situation by itself looks pretty messed up. Um, but apparently because of all the subsidies... A lot of farmers switched to growing cr uh, grain instead of other cereals, and you know it was like uh, almost um, uh, quadrupled the output of corn. Um, and of course, they're selling that, and you know that that's working out fine. But then now there's yeah, uh, besides, you, 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 there's also some drought in Australia and stuff. So there's, you know there's just a shortage because the the farmers didn't make anything that people needed to eat. You know, the corn thing also subsidized. I mean, we're there actually because yeah. of all these. And I, I blame the greenies on this one. You know, everybody's all jacked up by, about finding alternative sources of energy. So they just let's make let's use food to power our cars. <laughs> and it turns out you need the same exact amount of energy. You know, it's like you can almost count uh, person for person, uh, cereal for cereal, the, the energy levels. You know how much energy people need. I mean, it's it's almost a science. I mean, that seems like numbers could have been done pretty easily on that one. Whatever, it's just it's crazy. <laughs> but that says that you know, there's a funny, there's a very un interesting. Uh, I don't have the code here for it, but there's a really weird derivative out there. You know, there's these strange, these new stock market. Uh, derivatives that you can trade like stocks. The yeah. American Stock Exchange is like specializing in a lot of these things. And there's a group of them that essentially when you invest in this stock, you're actually investing in an index for food companies. And uh, you can buy, and what's cool about it for people who have an investment fund and, you know, and they've always wanted to short the market, which you can't do with a 401k. Right. You can buy these stocks or, or derivatives. They're called, you know, ET something. I can't remember the exact They're like term. options, aren't they? No, no. These are actually, they're not like options. Oh. Options expire. These don't. Uh, but you can buy these on the short side. The end, You can actually short the index by, by going long. So you can do it. You can put shorts into your um, 401k. But, the, but there's a, a group of these called ultras. And I'm, we'll be, I'm going to be talking about this or writing about this elsewhere when I figure out how to how it works. Maxim <laughs> well, I know I, I kind of know how it works, but it's just uh, I don't know. You know, they, these you, 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 want, you want to sucker people in until you're ready for them. That's what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> it's like it's like for one thing, there's a lot of these things, and they're all over the place, and they have different kinds of qualities. But there's one group of them called ultras. If you have a you end up with a kind of an investment in all these food companies, and if the food companies double in value, the ultra quadruples. Oh. So, uh, but if it goes down, it quadruples the other way too. So, you can get yourself, you can lose your money really fast. Right. But, but, you know, there's also people like starving, John. Yeah. And I'm trying to decide <laughs> which is more important <laughs> <laughs> how to make money off of it or how to worry about people being hungry. Well, the question, the question is, is if, is once people come to the realization that we're starving the public because of this idiotic corn based fuel, uh, Will they go back to planting regular corn, you know, to feed people? And will that send all these food companies? Because we're talking about Archer, Midland, McDaniel's, these, you know, these, yeah, these big food companies. Uh, would there, 
would the stock go down or would it go up? I can't figure that out. I mean, maybe is it going to keep going up? Is if you keep a food shortage, will that give everybody's like the oil scam? Will it just make everybody who's in that business make a lot more money, uh, or will it? Well, I mean, surely, collapse? surely the, the price of food is also partially, at least, uh, influenced by the the price of uh, fuel. And yeah, that that, that has to be a part of it. Yeah, right. So you got a double whammy. Also, there's a big demand coming from China. Although I think China, I don't know, there's a lot of weird stuff happening in China. I think uh, Ted Koppel is spending a lot of time in China. But yeah, China's oil demand is like up by two million barrels a day or something like that. Yeah, but they're just gonna, they're just going and raping Africa. They don't even need our help. Really? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, know, I know about the Africa thing, but you know, our our help. I mean, where are they getting their oil from? Are they getting it from Russia, or are they getting it from uh, from Russia the and Africa? And they, you know, they're not wherever they can get it, best price. And what does that Russian oil trade in dollars? I don't know. We, we, we obviously don't know much. The two of us. <laughs> yeah, we, we really suck at this, don't we? <laughs> Well, we're trying to, you know, the problem we have is we cover too much, uh, too wide a range of things to be experts in it. But all we do is bring up these, you know, a kind of a half-baked look at things. And then our listeners come in with the, with the, with yeah, the that's goods. that's true. They do. They do. Say, hey, you two idiots, this is what's going on. And they send us a link to some really cool stuff. And then we read it, the two of us. And then we, and then and we, no, we never bring it we up. We never again bring on the it show, up. <laughs> but the two of us are very knowledgeable. <laughs> Let me see. I did have some notes. Hold on a second. Uh, I, I I thought I kept some notes from stuff people sent us. Oh yeah. Well, so yeah, that was the, the Monsanto thing. Yeah, yeah the Monsanto thing. I brought that up. Yeah, the Monsanto. Well, yeah, I know. There's. A, I got about ten emails. People saying, "What are you talking about? They're going to start suing people. They're already suing them, and they have cases that go way back. You know, somebody plants a bunch of Monsanto uh, crazy." Uh, uh, wheat. And then, by the way, we blogged an interesting one where it turns out that, did you see that, that piece? I think it ran in, in England about how some of this wheat that's got the built in pesticide in the wheat. Yeah, well, that, yeah, exactly. So, so the, you can throw the pest, the Monsanto developed pesticide onto it and it won't kill it. Right. Won't kill the, uh, no, that's the, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it was. Well, That's, I thought there was one that they had the Mon uh, we got to get a list of somebody's got it out there has to know all these different Monsanto uh, products and I guess uh, Dow Chemicals got stuff too that's but what's but what's crazy about it is just I mean it, they, it, it's literally a licensing fee so you buy the seed from Monsanto you uh, sow your field with it your crops grow you know you all right you're all done and then uh, you harvest your crop you sell it off and then, of course, you know, this, uh, either seeds are there or they start growing again or you reseed re, uh, re the land. But, you know, then Monsanto says, hey, hold on a second, you're reusing our seed. Now you have to pay, you know, your uh, yearly fee, your royalty on using that seed again, which is just kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah, I don't see anybody, why anybody goes for that deal. But they're also, I thought, suing people when they have a blowover. Like some guy will plant a big field, you know, multiple acres, and then some of the seeds get in his neighbor's yard, and the next thing you know. Right. Well, what, 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 and I read some stories of people who had helicopters come over their field, you know, of course, black helicopters, drop fertilizer to see if it killed a patch. And if it didn't kill a patch, then they knew that it'd have to go uh, raid the place because they were clearly using Monsanto seed illegally. Oh, I didn't get that memo. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a, so some it? choppers like that's that's a vandalism. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's correct, John. And now on to round vandalism. 2. They should be gunning down those choppers. This is why we need to be armed to the teeth in this country. By the way, <laughs> in this country too, by the way. I'm reminded, you know, people go, "Oh, you know, you assault weapons are bad and all this stuff." Hey, the DC gun ban. If Drop. you if you Sorry? The D.C. gun ban has dropped. You know that, right? Yeah, I know. All right. So, which would be, you know, I mean, I don't think people should be just shooting their gun every which way. But the uh, I'm reminded when people talk about, well, you know, you have to, gun has to be for hunting or, you know, personally, it could be maybe uh, a pistol. For shooting yourself. Monsanto helicopters, dude. Yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking. You should have a Gatling gun. <laughs> but I don't see anything wrong with having some of these high-powered weapons. If you look at the history of this country, Henry Clay... 
you know, the thing is, everybody they want to throw everyone in jail nowadays instead of just telling them to stop. Right. Uh, there's some kid that got arrested for something recently. It's just like, why didn't you just tell him to stop? Well, you know, um, you know the, the the FEMA has 800 jails empty and ready to go, right? Yeah, well, that's what they say. It's, I think that's bull. Every time I've researched that, it's always been a crock. Oh, really? Anyway, okay. the, the, but the point is, Henry Clay, back uh, you know before the Civil War, used to have a cannon in front of his house that he'd fill up with bottles and you know. <laughs> chain link and whatever he could stick in the thing and because uh, he was an abolitionist in an area that you know, of kentucky where it wasn't appreciated and so they tried to arrest him once and so he held off the uh, local uh, sheriff by firing this cannon at everybody <laughs> perfectly legal they find yep and f they finally said well let's you know forget it you know, so they never followed up on their, you know, wanting to arrest him for some trumped up charge. But in today's world, now you'd bring in the army and you'd burn down the place, shoot the guy's wife. I mean, who knows? You're sounding more and more radical, my friend. I sound like a nutball. Yeah, yeah I but I, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm just sitting back going, yeah, go, John. I'm there. <laughs> Take the red pill, man. Down the rabbit hole. That's right. Oh, your awakening has begun. Well, I always like to bring up the Gary Weaver thing because it comes up. It came up in the conversation at dinner last night, and it's always like they, I had heard of this guy. Though, I mean, what was that in the seventies, mid seventies? No, no, it's like later than that. It's during the Clinton administration, as really? I recall. Hmm. And um, you know, Clinton managed to you know kill a bunch of people in Waco or what's her name, Jenna Reno. Jenna Reno, yeah. And then they, you know, this this Gary Weaver was some tax evader, and instead of just you know. Saying, well, you know, why don't we just grab him when he's in town sometime? They decided to lay siege to his compound, <laughs> which is a total waste of a taxpayer's money. And then some sharpshooter gunned down his wife. Oh, that's who was standing right. There, with, with their kids, right? Her, yeah. And claims they was under orders to shoot her, but nobody takes credit for giving the orders. They know who the guy is. Why isn't he in jail? Yeah. And what was I just the, don't get and why, why did they the, want him? What did they the, want him basically for? Basically, the government committed murder because she wasn't under indictment or anything. I mean, she wasn't trying to escape. What was the point of shooting her? So they shoot this woman dead, the government, and then nothing comes of it. And well, I don't know. It was under orders. Oh, well, you know, it's just the way it goes. The mistakes can be made. Under blah, orders. Blah, 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 that, blah. That, that's, uh, that's what the Germans used to say. Just taking orders. We didn't know. But the point is, murder was committed. No f charges were filed. Meanwhile, some kid, you know, uh, right. you know, writes on a sidewalk with chalk, yeah. and, he's and he's sent to jail as a felon. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind that you know they don't that they don't follow through on some things. But why are they picking on these kids? We had one because the they're blogs. our future, John. I believe the children are our future. There was some kid, and it was on the blog the other day. I got to think about yeah, it. Anyway. That, that was one of the, uh, the the new human rights that was uh, in the in the Lisbon Treaty, in the uh, you know, which is basically the, supposed to be the new European Constitution. Um, the government has the right to arrest your kids if if they need to be disciplined. They can incarcerate your kids if they. That's if they, in the. Where is that? Where. Oh, don't make me go get the documents. It's in there. It, okay. you know, what's funny is you know it, it's in what they call the um, it's the it's the amendments. So you have you have the document, then you have the amendments, then you have the protocols, and these amendments um, is is where all the human rights. So the human rights are listed in the document, but the amendments to the human rights are uh, separate documents. And so even though they're not technically a part of it, they are considered to be legal. And, you know, I've questioned uh, different ministers about this. And they'll say, well, yeah, you know, so basically we'd go by those first. And if those don't apply to the member state, then, uh, you know, you, uh, a person could take it all the, way, all the way to the high court in Brussels. I'm like, what the fuck good is that? <laughs> but that, that's what they keep coming back to. You know, at any point, you know, you don't agree with the, uh, with the amendments that are kind of the, you know, the, the basic guidelines, which we don't have to adhere to, but if we do decide to adhere to them, then you can go fight it in Brussels. Well, thanks. Yeah, that's yeah. a winner. You said, like, fascist state takeover, man. I think, I think you, you, you may be very right. I think so. Yeah. So uh, here's the one I was talking about. Minnesota teen charged with felony for eBay joke. This is a, ki a kid, or well, he's actually a college student. He says he was, he put up his vote 
which is probably which is actually a kind of seems to be a freedom of speech issue if you ask me he put up his vote <clears throat> for sale for the fall presidential election and oh uh, interesting ten dollars in exchange for voting for the bidder's preferred candidate i guess interesting no I, I think i'm sure that's illegal yeah, it is illegal. Yeah, uh, he never got any bid, bids, and uh, but it's but again, it's one of those situations. Yeah, it's illegal. The kids probably nobody knows what's legal and illegal anymore anyway. <laughs> especially you know because the education system doesn't teach you. So they found no. some 1893 law that's essentially a dead letter law, but they decided to you know push it on this kid. It's a felony, so he loses his vote forever. And instead of you know what you do in a normal society, you say kid. Yeah, that's it's stupid, illegal kid. To do Don't that, do that. Dork. Yeah. Take it off the thing and get out of here. But no, they're going to prosecute the kid, waste the taxpayers' money, go through a whole <laughs> big deal. And then I did a little research and found out that the Secretary of State at, in Minnesota has all kinds of kind of sketchy things he's been doing. And it's just like he's being investigated and there's a scandal. <laughs> and, you know, meanwhile, <clears throat> It's unbelievable. A quick, uh, a, a quick search brings up an article from uh, October 14th, 2000 where uh, the Chicago Board of Election Commissioners uh, uh, planned to file a lawsuit against VoteAuction.com, which it was kind of a goof, I guess. It uh, must have been. Yeah. I, you know, I've always felt that, the, well, these guys are worried, sick about somebody selling their vote or whatever, but they're all... It's irrelevant. Kind, it's irrelevant. Kind of, well, it is irrelevant, but, you know, there's also, what if they're not checking, you know, meanwhile, they they don't want to check IDs because we shouldn't have to check an ID. You should be able to just waltz in and say you're somebody, and I don't personally get that either. And um, I don't know. I think it's crazy. Well, let's just get, let's just get back, back to that one, one spot there, you know, with, uh, and we've been talking about Obama for a while, not, and not in a, God, you know, it's amazing. Some people uh, call us undercover Republicans. Um, but, uh, aren't we? Nah, no, not really. No, now we're no. undercover libertarians. Libertarians, I think is much closer. The typical yeah. libertarian crackpots. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Ron Paulite. Yeah. yeah. Paulite. I'm a Paulite. Yeah. A Paulian, a liver Paulian. Anyway, uh, Obama. So first of all, you know, so here, here's what I've seen happen in the past month. Um, Obama says, I'm not going to take advantage of public funds. I'm going to raise all my money uh, uh, th uh, through the people. Yeah, because you can get a lot more. Right. So then uh, next up, it's like, all right, it's going to cost about $500 million for his campaign, which, you know, and he says, hey, this is, you know, the $92 million you can get from public funds. That's just not enough to become president these days. That's not what a campaign costs. So the number turns out, you know, as reported, about $500 million, and McCain will probably also need $500 million. And uh, so I'm sure that Obama then turns around and starts ta talking to people and say, how much do we get on that website again? And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe I shouldn't back. Or maybe I should just uh, let this FISA bill kind of go through, you know, and uh, do war in Iraq. Well, you know, this summer I'm going to think about maybe doing something in 16 months. I mean, the guy is totally turning around. He's, he's becoming a politician. Yeah, but it's like, I hope people see this. Well, according to a, a Robert Novak column that ran a week or two ago, uh, you know, Obama makes a big scene about, I don't want, you know, special interest groups. I'm not going to take any money from lobbyists. They've been soliciting lobbyists. And they got, in fact, one guy refused to give him any money and they got a second solicitation signed by Obama, supposedly. Signed by Obama himself? Well, I mean, they don't. These guys don't have time to sign anything. Well, you know, Obama has been lobbying the the trade unions. No, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Lobbying Tesco over here. Lobbying Tesco to allow trade unions to operate the you know those new stores we talked about, the Fresh and Plenty or the the Good and Groovy, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, right. We had a whole yeah. The the places that we determine are probably going to crap out because they don't know what they're doing in the usa right but obama you know he's been been uh, making public uh public bids because you know obviously he wants the trade unions to back him and i'm sure that you know they they also contribute a lot of money they're not gonna be able to reunionize a store like that they'll lose whatever money they make well it's too small that's that's what obama's been doing lobbying tesco window dressing why is he lobbying Tesco? Why isn't he lobbying uh, Toyota? 
I don't know. I mean, I think those the Toyota factories in the U.S. aren't aren't union, as far as I know. It, it doesn't matter. No matter who becomes president, the stock market takes off, which means, of course, oil has to drop, right? That's what's going to happen after the election? Well, I think oil is going to drop before this. Oh, before I, I so don't think so. No way. I really don't see that happening. Yeah, it has to. November election, if the, if the oil prices remained as high as they are into November, then they, then they have the winter uh, that they can keep them propped up even longer. It would be a disaster. I think that's where we're headed, dude. I, I, I don't see why oil would let up. I mean, the, the future is all the way well, into... Well, you think it's going to go to $1,000 a barrel? Is that what you're suggesting? No, but I'm saying that I, we, I, I totally think we'll still hit uh, 200 by the end of the year. I think 200 number comes up too often. I don't think it's ever going to hit 200. And if it does, then it's going to collapse the next day. I just don't see it. I'm just seeing too much. I mean, I listen to Michael Greenberger and I hear all this other, you know, these, I mean, there are two schools of thought about, you know, whether how, how much manipulation is taking place. But it just seems like the whole thing is rigged and ready to fall. And the guy that's head of shell came out the other day and said, "Hey, this is this yeah, is bull. Said, yeah, These prices, yeah. you know, they should be it should be eighty bucks." Yeah, but it, so, it, but a lot of that is also tied to the value of the dollar. I mean, with every with every uh, micro micro penny the dollar devaluate devalues, the the oil automatically has to become more expensive. That surely that's a part of it. Surely um, the even the don't rumor. Call me surely. Uh, yeah, sorry. Roger over. Now, the, yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. You're going to have to. Uh, all I know is that there's supposed to, supposedly horrible manipulators in Dubai and London that are responsible for all this. Anyway. Well, yeah, it's the World Bank, the guys who buy it out of the ground and put it into the trading system. Well, they're they're manipulating. That must come down. Is all I know. Yeah, but it, it could, but just like the balloon guy, you can go up to those seventy forty sevens before you come down. Well, you could, but let's hope not, God. Although you know, I have to say, since I don't really make, a, I don't have a long commute generally, and, uh, I, you, and I, think, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm close in. My house is close in where it would the real estate should actually go up. Typically, when you really have a a, a, a pinch, uh, it benefits. Uh, P, it, it, it's actually somewhat beneficial in some ways to some people. And why would it benefit you? Well, because I don't have to sit in traffic. <laughs> yes. Okay, good That's one. That's a huge benefit. You yeah, have yeah. no idea. Yeah, I agree. And uh, my house is located uh, uh, in a place that if people have to be closer to San Francisco, they could. this is a good area. As opposed to San Ramon, which is like you know another hour from here, people commute. People commute into San Francisco from towns that are you know sixty, seventy miles away. It's unbelievable. I'm seventeen. I'm actually I'm about uh, let's see five, six. About I'm about eleven miles from downtown San Francisco. Well, I certainly hope your version of the future is uh, is more correct than mine. But uh, I'm really I'm just not seeing it. No, it's obvious you're not seeing it. It's the only reason that this show's interesting. <laughs> but you could be right. If they went up to two hundred and twenty or two dollars, or sorry, two hundred and fifty dollars a barrel or something like that, which you know, if these guys were any good, they might be able to do it. But they're already putting the kibosh on it with some legislation. It looks like it's going to pass. Yeah, but that won't pass until uh, uh, was it December, something like that. But again, I don't know. You know, and, and I base uh, some of these thoughts on um, a piece of video that I saw by this guy named, Lin I think, Lindsey Williams. Have you heard of him? What's it about? Lindsey, no, Wi Lindsey Williams was a pastor uh, on the... It's uh, not one of those zero point, you know, tipping point oil, zero oil. What's it called? Peak yeah. oil? Peak oil. No, no, quite the opposite, in fact. No, quite oh, the opposite. Okay. No, he says he was there as a pastor for three years in Alaska when uh, when they struck the largest oil field in the world. And yeah. um, and he was there because um, he was a, a trustee um, uh, of one of the, I forget the name of the oil company at the time. Sure, by now it's, BP, you know, whatever, it's become Exxon. Um Anyway, he was there when all of the, you know, like eight oil, big top oil men were celebrating and saying, oh, this is great. America will have no more independence on foreign oil. 
And uh, and the next day they said, no, you can't talk about it. We're putting the kibosh on it. It'll, it can never come out. And the whole theory behind it is he tells it. The guy's like you know 60 or 70 years old, and he's now coming out with this. He says because um, he uh, he 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 was not only did he was explained to him, but he witnessed how uh, the whole deal was set up with the Saudis. When Kissinger went out um, and made the deal with them, look, you know, we'll make you rich. We'll buy all your oil only if you trade it in dollars. And then you have to buy our national, you know, a piece of that money you take to buy back our national debt. Um, and that's how he gets into this whole thing about Iran. And he says, you know, uh, Iran is threatened uh, with this uh, cheap oil. And you know, even worse, the whole point is it can't be traded in euros. And that's if you look at the timeline. And I went back and looked at some of the some Google News articles. Uh, the first time um, uh, Iraq was invaded under Bush the first, it was literally two months after Saddam Hussein had said, hey, we're going to start selling our oil in euros. Well, I know that sounds, you know, he sound, that sounds right to me. I mean, I don't, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in watching that documentary. And it's on Curry.com, you know, the place where I never blog. Oh, this is one of your rare posts. <laughs> when I post it, I mean it, Johnny Baby. You should get some some uh, some minions. No, I don't know. I, I no. I, I like to post. The, I've been using the um, that dropped out uh, stuff. The reason the reason I have all these guys, my guys, by the way, are extremely talented. The guys who post on my blog. I mean, every time. In fact, the other day, I, it happens all the time. Where, and in fact, I think it happens with all of us, and because we all have a kind of a like mindedness about some of these things we like to post yeah. about. You go and you post something, and you hit the button, and you go there. And there's a, somebody else has just posted the same, same thing, thing. Yeah. five minutes earlier. Well, it's really annoying. If you look at that, I. Right, Drop.io slash daily source code. That's kind of become, uh, and, and it's in a weblog format, by the way. I'm, you know, I might even change that over to curry.com because it's so much more entertaining. And it, all it is, it's either notes, it's links, or it's files. And essentially, the public, anyone who wants to, can go to drop.io slash daily source code and uh, you can put in either a note, a link. Yeah, I got to set something like this or a up file. too. I and actually, maybe Bubba would do it for me. But see, this is the beauty. I don't do anything. It's just people who listen to the Daily Source Code are posting stuff about the topics that I'm talking about and also new stuff right in there. And, yeah. and everything's no, I mean, an interesting You, you told me about this weeks and weeks ago, and i like remiss. Uh, no, I, I, look, dude, I'm just saying I got my minions, right? Except they're not minions. They're savants. Yeah, no, I get it. I get they're it. They're savants. I get it. They're highly expert and skilled. Well, I don't know about that. Here's the ghost. <laughs> spells potato with an E. So uh, how oil prices would come back down? Is this the one you're talking about? Uh, which one are you looking at? Are you looking at curry.com? No, I'm looking at daily source code. No, no, no. No, for the, the video? Yeah. No, go to curry.com and look for the video that says uh, the, the uh, non-oil crisis or something like that. Hmm. It's about By an hour way, and ten I, I minutes. I have a total subscriber this. Having worked at an oil refinery and then been an air pollution inspector at another oil refinery, I'm fairly familiar with the uh, stuff that goes on, having been in one too many meetings. Yeah. And this peak oil thing is bull. It's, well, that's exactly that's what this, this Lindsey uh, Williams even says. That's misinformation that the oil companies have put out there to throw you off track is absolutely not true. So the peak oil is not true. So it's the one where the new capitalist pyramid? No, it's no, no, Lauer, the, the energy non-crisis posted on uh, last Sunday, June 29th. Oh. It's fantastic. You'll like it. Oh, there it is. Oh, and that guy. Man, he looks, you know, like a priest. He looks pre respectable, preacher. doesn't he? I mean, you want to believe the guy right off the bat. All right, I'll tell you what. Why don't I go watch the 9-11 uh, debunking show? And you go watch Lindsay Williams, which I encourage everyone to do, by the way. If you want, if you want to find this video, go to curry.com and scroll yeah, down. It's about, it too. about five. Go to curry.com if you want the source. And while you're at it, subscribe to that blog, which will automatically, if you put that into your aggregator, give you uh, the daily source code and no agenda and tech five all in one feed. Imagine how cool that is. <laughs> then so you I just go ahead and subscribe. Tire company. So, um, oh, you have to go watch that thing now. Is that what time it is? Yeah, we've yeah. been at it for an hour, John. Okay, well, that's good enough for this week. Yeah, this was kind of a uh, an orient an orienting uh, 
show. We got to set each other up to look at some more stuff during the week. Yeah. Okay. Well, next Sunday we'll be doing this again. <laughs> uh, and it's on Sunday, not Saturday. Well, yeah, I said next week. But I mean, I hope to be not stuck at an airport and get it. You know, so it'd be in the morning. Yeah. Or a little earlier for me, anyway. So sign us off. Okay. Hold on. Here we go. So next Sunday, not Saturday. Yeah. Same thing. Okay. What are you doing? Uh, may I ask? Yeah, my daughter's birthday. Oh, okay. Well, shit. Family first. Well, no agenda family comes second. <laughs> okay. But then there's a whole lot of nothing, but then all the rest. Right. You got it. All right. Coming to you from the uh, affluent suburb of Surrey known as Guilford, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern California, I'm John C. Dvorak. And we'll talk to you again next week on No Agenda.